You're listening to the news on RTHK. The US House of Representatives remains paralysed after its Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, failed to secure enough support to become Speaker after a sixth round of voting. A small group of anti-establishment hardliners have been derailing his attempts for a second day. The BBC's Gary O'Donoghue is in Washington. Even an intervention by Donald Trump himself, who until yesterday had equivocated over Mr McCarthy's wish to be Speaker, has failed to move any of his supporters. There are some signs, albeit small ones, that the overwhelming majority of Republicans may be starting to lose patience with this highly embarrassing process and are beginning moves to look for an alternative who can get the votes. But so far, there's been no sign that Mr McCarthy himself is willing to bow out. As things stand, no one knows how this will end. The US Embassy in Cuba has reopened for some consular operations after it was closed following a spate of health incidents among diplomatic staff. It comes as an exodus of people leaving the island reaches record levels. The BBC's Will Grant reports. It has been more than five years since the State Department all but shuttered the US Embassy in Havana. Consular services were reduced to a minimum under the Trump administration and most staff were sent home following reports of unexplained health incidents among embassy employees, which became known as the Havana Syndrome. Many theories behind the illnesses have now been debunked, but the full causes remain unclear. US relations with the Cuban government have gradually started to improve and the Biden administration has now reopened the embassy for processing immigrant visas. And finally, the British Museum says the famously disputed Parthenon marbles, also known as the Elgin marbles, could soon be returned to Greece as part of a cultural exchange. Such an arrangement would circumvent a legal ban on the museum, breaking up its vast collection. Reports say Greece intends to keep up pressure to secure full legal ownership. And you're listening to the news on RTHK. Thanks, Barry. It's Thursday the 5th of January. This is James Ross. Uh, In the headlines this morning, China's central bank is reiterating that it will implement a targeted and prudent monetary policy in 2023 and provide support to domestic demand. The PBOC says it will, quote, comprehensively use multiple monetary policy tools and keep liquidity reasonably ample. It's expected to keep monetary policy loose for at least the next few months, with the economy still disrupted by widespread COVID infections. Hong Kong's retail sales fell by 4.2% year-on-year in November after two months of growth. Uh, Figures show that total retail sales dropped to 29.5 billion Hong Kong dollars. That after September saw year-on-year growth of 0.2% and October a 4% rise. Uh, Sales in department stores down 19%, clothing down 16%, jewellery down 8%. Uh, For the first 11 months of 2022, there was a 1.1% drop in retail sales compared to the same period in 2021. Transport Minister Lam Sai Hung said yesterday that Japan will further relax restrictions on flights from Hong Kong, allowing them to land at all Japanese airports from Sunday. Uh, Previously, Hong Kong flights had been restricted to four airports, later expanded to seven. Uh, Meanwhile, the EU is now recommending that travellers from China to Europe should be required to provide a negative pre-flight COVID test and wear a face mask on planes. A statement says EU members are also encouraged to do random testing of passengers arriving from China 
China on arrival and to sequence positive results. China is to allow the resumption of some imports of Australian coal after a two-year ban. The National Development and Reform Commission held talks on Tuesday on proposals to allow four major importers to make new purchases this year, and it seems imports could resume as soon as April. The partial easing of the ban comes after the Australian and Chinese foreign ministers met last month, seeking to reset frosty diplomatic relations between the two nations. Meta suffered a major defeat overnight that could under cut its Facebook and Instagram advertising business after EU regulators found it had illegally forced users to effectively accept personalised ads. The decision, including a €390 million fine, has the potential to require Meta to make costly changes to its advertising-based business in Europe and is one of the most consequential judgments since the EU enacted a landmark data privacy law aimed at restricting companies from collecting user information without their prior consent. Well, we'll be joined on the show today by Kenny Wen, uh, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia, and Gavin Parry, MD of Parry International Trading. And to discuss an anticipated tourism boost as the border with the mainland is lifted, uh, we'll have Timothy Ng, uh, Executive Director of Guest Experience and Education at Ocean Park. Well, don't forget, if you've got any questions for our guests, you can email us at moneytalk at rthk.hk, text us on 639 935925. Our Facebook is Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And on Twitter, we're at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Well, let's have a quick look at the markets, starting on Wall Street, where stocks closed higher as markets shrugged off insights from the minutes of the Fed's most recent meeting that stressed its commitment to lowering inflation. Uh, policymakers don't expect to be cutting interest rates this year, generally believing a restrictive stance is needed until there are clear signs that consumer prices are dropping. The Dow Jones uh, closed 0.4% higher at 33,269. The Nasdaq bounced uh, 0.7% to 10,458. And the S&P 500 up 8 tenths of 1% at 3,852. Uh, that a survey data showed U.S. manufacturing activity remained in contraction for a second straight month, a sign that earlier Fed rate hikes may be biting. And U.S. job openings data also released overnight continued to show minimal signs of labor market weakness. A European markets closing higher as inflation data out of France and Germany indicated consumer price increases are slowing. The stock 600 pan-European index closed up 1.4%, retail stocks adding 3.3%, although oil and gas stocks, however, fell 3.1%. The FTSE up four-tenths of 1% to 7,585. Germany's DAX up 2.1% to 14,490. France's CAC 40 up 2.3% to 6,776. Hong Kong stocks ended yesterday with another big gain, uh, with tech firms leading the way after Jack Ma's Ant Group was given the go-ahead to raise 1.5 billion US dollars for its consumer unit. The news sent shares in Alibaba soaring almost 9%, while other tech firms were also boosted on hopes that restrictions on the sector could be winding down. The Hang Seng climbing 3.2% to 20,793. The Shanghai Composite adding 0.2%. The Shenzhen Composite edging up less than one-tenth of one percent. Uh, shares of mainland property developers surging as rumours emerged that the government is planning a 
a raft of supportive measures for financially stable home builders. Uh, Bloomberg reporting that the authorities are drawing up a shortlist who will have to fulfill requirements such as showing uh, auditing reviews to prove their financial statements are reliable and that they have no major defaults on record. The Shanghai Stock Exchange Property Index jumping 3.5% on that news. The Nikkei 225 ending the day at 25,716, down 1.45%. Investors unloading shares across the board after market players in the U.S. had once again expressed concern about a global economic slowdown. In commodities, Brent crude currently trading down 4.85% at $78.12 a barrel. Copper down 7 tenths of 1% at $374.05 a pound. Spot gold currently standing at $1,854.56 an ounce. Uh, in the bond market, the US 10-year bond currently showing a yield of 3.68%. Quick look at currencies, the euro buying a dollar and six cents, the US dollar standing at 132.6 Japanese yen. The pound is buying 9.42 Hong Kong dollars and the yuan standing at 6.89 against the US dollar. Uh, Bitcoin is currently at 16,821 US dollars. Uh, let's look at uh, the ASX uh, 200. It's currently up one-third of one percent at 7,082. Hang Seng Futures looking to an opening of up to 1.7% higher than yesterday's close. Okay, let's switch to our guests and say a very good morning to uh, Kenny Wan, who is Head of Investment Strategy uh, at KGI Asia. Good morning, Kenny. Good morning. And also say hello and uh, good morning to Gavin Parry, MD of Parry International Trading. Gavin, good morning to you. Good morning, James. Uh, thanks both for for joining us as ever. And I guess uh, let's let's start with uh, the U.S. markets and um, you know what we're seeing uh, following the uh, release of the minutes of the Fed's uh, recent meeting. It looks like uh, interest rates uh, aren't going to be coming down any time this year. What do we think that that uh, uh, sends a signal for for the rest of the year, Kenny? Do you want to start on that one? Yeah, sure. I think uh, the minutes is a little bit hawkish. But already, I think the news already reflected and the market digested the news already because if you refer to the dot pop chart issued two weeks ago, already saying that the interest rate will go to 5.1% this year, which is much higher than 4.9% expectation in last uh, September. So I think the market already knowing that uh, what we call the interest rate movement will be slower but longer. And I still think that uh, the, the, the movement of the inflation is highly uncertain because what we call sticky price, uh, as we know the inflation is driven by the uh, the Shelton price. Uh, so I think uh, even though the inflation may drop to 4 to 5%, and then it may stay around this level, which is still higher than the 2% objective of Federal Reserve. So there's a risk that the Federal Reserve need to uh, further increase the interest rate. Our base case scenario will be uh, at least two to three times uh, further rate hike uh, for this year. So uh, don't expect interest rate cuts uh, uh, in coming future. This is our house bill. Gavin, is that something that, that you'd agree with? How are you seeing uh, those numbers from the US? Yeah, uh, well, we tend to agree with Kenny. Um, one aspect there that we do think is positive is the fact that the, the Fed is uh, allowing um, its debt to roll off its balance sheet at maturity at the moment, um, which should be positive for the market because 
as Kenny just indicated, uh, it's being digested that these guys aren't being overly hawkish. We think about 5% is, is around the max on the rate side of things. Um, the, the communication tools have indicated that these guys uh, are looking uh, a lot more accommodative for a, a higher inflation rate. But the, the data that came out just the other day, uh, a couple of days ago on the November money supply, where for the first time in 33 years, since 1989, the Federal Reserve allowed a contraction in the money supply. Um, again, it's not. this isn't a, a huge data set, but it is a bit of a red flag for obviously economic growth and employment. But we're, we're, we're viewing this, that it's, it's something that they're doing in the background uh, to allow the market to, to stay on a fairly positive stance um, while the headline uh, interest rate hiking or tightening, as, as Kenny just mentioned, isn't too severe. Um, and, and it's basically a bit of a balancing act. But I think we've really got to keep an eye on the debt markets, and that's really what the Fed's watching here. Um, they, can't, they, they need to have a positive uh, rate of return in the market. It's as simple as that. And they need to have uh, inflation to allow the probability of maturing debt to roll over as opposed to uh, it, it lapsing. So we, we think that this data, um, that again, hasn't been widely picked up on, but the fact that for the first time in 33 years we've had a contraction in money supplies Right. It's quite, quite, quite um, uh, large, actually. Yeah, but good for the market. Yeah, uh, inf- inflation uh, data that's coming in from Europe and uh, around the world shows that things are uh, stabilizing a little bit more. It seems, Kenny, y- y- you watching that? Yeah, I-, I think the inflation in US or Euro may be already peak, but the. The key point, as I highlight, is they may still uh, stay around at a relatively high level. And just mention that is the money supply is reducing. So I always mention or remind investors that we are not living in a quantitative easing uh, environment. Actually, we are having a quantitative tightening environment. So for investment decision action, uh, we needed to pay attention. Uh, the macro backdrop already changed, and also. Not only the inflation, we are we are expecting uh, a, a a mild global recession. Talking about U.S., Euro, uh, and and U.K. may may fall into recession in coming one to two quarters. So, for the macro backdrop, I think at least for the first half of this year is uh, still relatively uncertain. Um, looks like you know as ever the mainland is going to have a big impact uh, in the next few uh, few weeks uh, as things um, open up. Uh, we we saw overnight that um, that China is to allow the resumption of some imports of Australian coal after a two year ban. Um, it looks like uh, that perhaps restrictions on tech firms and internet firms are being reduced slightly. Uh, do we think that's going to have uh, a big impact, Gary? Uh, Gavin, are you watching that? Yeah, well, look, China's got a lot more levers and buttons it can push, and it's, you know, particularly when it comes to the PBOC, they're very much masters of micro um, monetary policy management. Um, a couple of months ago, we saw a big in, uh, increase in importation of copper, which traditionally um, is, is a lead indicator for economic activity. Um, I, I think, really, the, 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 this thing about the coal is, is less political, I think, as, as, as it is more about demand, um, which is actually obviously a good indicator here. I think we've got to remember that the, the entire um, exponential growth in, in China over the last couple of decades has really been debt-driven, um, whether it's from the local government funding vehicles and, and right through. And I think that you're still going to see a lot of reform, particularly on the financial market side of things, the municipal bond market, for example, which will be the, the remnants uh, of those lo- local government funding vehicles, but then moving even right forward to easing at the moment after they've now done the, the big crackdown on the shadow banking over the last two years. And that leads into the ant 
financial aspect where it was only two weeks ago, I think it was, Tencent just had new games approved, which really the market saw that as, as hopeful that the easing or crackdown on that shadow banking legacy, uh, which had halted the, the anti-IPO, was, was coming to an ease. So overall, it's very positive. Uh, Kenny, Hong Kong stocks ending yesterday yeah. with another big gain. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, tech firms leading the way. Jack Ma's Ant Group, um, you know, getting the go-ahead on that uh, $1.5 billion uh, uh, raise uh, for its consumer unit. Um, you know, are we are we going to see some improvements on the tech side there? Are you following that? Uh, I, I think that is mainly driven by the market sentiment because uh, we think uh, for the fundamental, fundamentally change, which is maybe different, the handset index from 15,000 to 19,000 or uh, 20,000. But after that, it's driven by the fund flow and market sentiment. I do think that uh, after the second half of last year, uh, the central government already announced a lot, a lot of uh, regula- new regulations. Uh, so uh, the, the operation environment for the tech firm is changed. So I, I still think that their EPS or earning growth uh, is quite difficult to go back to what we call 2020 or 2021. But anyway, I think the market sentiment is quite good and we tech investor pushing money into the market uh, then will be positive on those high beta or gold stock at least for the very short term. In 12 months, where are we going to be sitting? Are you, are you positive about the investment outlook uh, over the next year? Uh, yes, but I think the market will be very, very uh, volatile because uh, don't forget we still have some uncertainty uh, talking about the global economy and central banks are high, uh, uh, increasing interest rate. Uh, and also, I just mentioned now uh, the, the market is driven by the fund fold. And usually, uh, market driven by fund fold will be very volatile because uh, uh, investors will be short term, they will they will target to take profit because don't forget in last of, uh, end of October, Hang Seng Index is just talking about 15,000. So two months now, we have already mm. uh, around 5,000 uh, points uh, rally. Uh, Gavin, your, your outlook for, for 2023 sure. um, looking well, good, do you think? Well, just expanding on one of Kenny's points there, which was uh, precious metals gold. I think two weeks ago when I was on, on your show, I mentioned about the decreasing rate sensitivity for gold price. Um, and also we're coming up to now the, the high gold buying demand period uh, in China, which is the, um, the Lunar New Year. So you, you, you tend to see, um, a, an annual widening of the premium from, uh, London LBMA to Shanghai. Um, and we've, we, the last two years because of the lockdown, the market's expecting this year to, to take up some of that slight consumption that we didn't see in the last two years. So, just as Kenny just mentioned um, in, in his summary, then the junior explorer, uh, junior producers and miners that have been undervalued have really seen a, a good little move, and that's something I think that we'll, we'll keep watching. And one of the main aspects there, again, sorry, is, is currency is a cross rate mm. because we've seen the DXY um, strengthen a little bit recently. We'll come come back down, but um, it's 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 for us out here. It's, it's a lot more about the RMB. So. Um, you know, coming back up through that seven handle at the moment, we we actually think that that'll reverse again and, and, and weaken. I mean, um, it, one of the big things about China is it's got the, this impossible trinity it continues to try and do, which is to keep um, effective domestic monetary policy, um, capital controls, and a managed FX rate. And one of those three uh, can't happen in, in, in perpetuity. So we we do think the renminbi goes back to a weakening phase. But um, obviously, it's the focus is on the US cross side at the moment with the Fed.
Well, thank you very much, uh, Gavin Parry, MD of uh, Parry International Trading, and Kenny Wen, uh, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia. Well, with the likely opening of the border with the mainland this weekend, the hospitality and entertainment industries are gearing up for a potential influx of visitors from across the country and are hoping for an across-the-board boost to tourism here. A few days ago, we heard that Hong Kong Disneyland will be recruiting 600 more frontline staff next month. In fact, Disneyland has been in the red for seven years now. And the park's managing director, Michael Moriarty, says while Hong Kongers have been hugely supportive, the return of visitors from outside the SAR is key for the park's profitability. Well, of course, Hong Kong's own theme park, Ocean Park, has been long established with its own brand of conservation and entertainment. A few weeks ago, it announced its results for the year ended June 2022. Attendance numbers were steady at 1.4 million, similar to the previous year, with the new water world attracting 200,000 visitors. Of course, the year also included over 100 days of closure because of COVID, but year-on-year revenue increased by 15%. However, the park also booked a deficit of 1.8 billion Hong Kong dollars due to one-off impairment losses and depreciation on property equipment and right-of-use assets, but nevertheless still says it has a healthy cash position with 1.3 billion Hong Kong dollars in the bank. Well, to discuss an an anticipated tourism boost as the border with the mainland is opened, we're joined now by uh, Ocean Park's Executive Director of Guest Experience and Education, Timothy Ung. Uh, Good morning, Timothy. Morning, James. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year and uh, thanks uh, for coming in and uh, uh, being on the show this morning. Um, are you feeling optimistic about the border opening uh, potentially this weekend? Yeah, very true. Um, actually, we are quite excited and as everyone that we are very looking forward to the um, reopening of the cross-border travel. Um, as we can see, that it's, um, it's been long and wait, we've been waiting for this. And... In the last year, as you summarized in it at the very first beginning, that we we were able to um, uh, achieve a, quite a lot. I mean, in 2022, mm. and then uh, since the reopening uh, of the park, and also we made use of that eight months to achieve a lot. Mm. Uh, we offer quite diversified products, including the uh, glamping programs, and continue with the water world opening, and also a Halloween events. And and actually, we were very well received by the local uh, communities and also the attendants. Has Waterworld been uh, had a good impact uh, on visitor numbers? Uh, Waterworld, yes, and in particular during the summertime and actually in the in the winter, we're trying to organise and de- deliver all different kind of programs. I mean to um, engage the public and also to continue to, with the visitations. So um, the Christmas actually is is was very good. Um, uh, results that's in terms of attendance and also we can see that the guests enjoy the, the park very much. So we're now very busy with the Chinese New Year preparations mm. and as you mentioned that's the cross-border will reopen this weekend so we're expecting that there will be visitors from cross-border uh, coming to visit park very soon. Are you optimistic you know for fast visitor growth you know going back towards a, a potential um, pre-pandemic levels of visitors which is I guess that must be your goal but how quickly can you get how do you think? I believe it would take some time, as you can see that everything we've been locked down. I would say we've been slowed down ourselves. I mean, in the last three years, so um, everything's we need to pick up. Even though uh, some of the infrastructure 
uh, and also some of the mechanisms and uh, for the procedures. Uh, we will have to gear up ourselves and then to adapt to the uh, to prepare for their coming, and also with the current COVID situations. And so we believe that the visitors will come back, but it will take a little bit more time. And um, uh, for Q3 and Q4, that will be for this year. That may be the time that we'll see more substantial increase of the cross-border traveler coming back to Hong Kong. Are, are you always looking to add new attractions and new things to get people back? I mean, that's quite a challenge, right? Yeah, actually, we need to. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that's we are trying to organize different type of programs: uh, Halloween, Chinese New, um, the Christmas, uh, Santa Claus House, and the uh, snow uh, attractions. So um, we will need to continue to do that, and and that's why uh, we are organizing different type of programs, including the glamping programs at Waterworld, mm. and also the chill all night. Um, so I, the, 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 sorry, the glamping that means you can camp at Waterworld, does it? Uh, at the Waterworld site, actually, that we have a very beautiful site with a very beautiful scenery. Mm. That's the guests be able to enjoy a twenty-four hours programs, overnight programs, and then at Waterworld, so that they can other than the Waterworld facilities, can also enjoy the scenery and also the delicious food over over there. You've got a couple of um, relatively new hotels. Well, one that's very new, I think, the Fullerton, and uh, uh, of course, you've also got the Marriott as well. How is the hotel business uh, performing and likely to perform? Is that uh, is that looking good? Yeah, the hotel actually was again very well received. I mean, this is uh, even though in the uh, COVID situations and the COVID, um, the Fullerton Hotel actually uh, was branded with the the conservation educations and and also aligned with the the water well features. So it was very well received by the public, and we do see that they will give an edge. I mean, to the uh, cross border traveler. How do you keep that edge against other attractions? Obviously, Disneyland is out there. You know, how do you stay ahead at Ocean Park? Uh, what we need to do is to continue to develop different type of seasonal programs, events to attract that. And at the moment, I mean, uh, that's the Christmas actually proved to be successful, and we are working on the Chinese New Year, Easter, and also summer. So what we need to do is to continue to develop, develop different programs. And you may not know that we are actually organizing, uh, offering the uh, dog friendly day uh, in the park. So the actually the um, uh, the 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 guests actually they can bring their pet dogs. I mean to enjoy the park. I mean on Monday and Thursdays. Oh, okay. Well, good news for dog owners. Uh, Timothy Ung is Executive Director of Guest Experience and Education at Ocean Park. Timothy, thank you very much for joining us on Money Talk uh, this morning. And just before we go, let's take a look at uh, the current state of the markets. Uh, the Nikkei 225 is currently up almost half of 1% at 25,823. The S&P ASX 200 in Sydney up one quarter of 1% at 7,078. Hang Seng futures looking towards an open of as much as uh, a rise of 1.7% this morning. Uh, sunny periods, the maximum temperatures will be around 22 degrees. Uh, moderate east to northeasterly winds occasionally fresh. The outlook, uh, sunny periods in the next couple of days, mainly cloudy with a few rain patches uh, early next week. It'll be back chat in a few moments from now. Uh, this is James Ross. I will see you tomorrow morning for Money Talk at 8 o'clock. Now with the news headlines, here's Barry.
Legislator Gary Zhang says the government needs to clarify as soon as possible the details of Sunday's resumption of quarantine-free travel with the mainland. Mr Zhang, who previously worked for the MTR Corporation, said it was reasonable that the high-speed rail to Guangdong would not be ready by Sunday as it needed to take into account mainland train timetables. He said he wasn't concerned about crowded border crossings given that passenger flow between Guangdong and Hong Kong could previously handle 400,000 people in a single direction. But he said a rumoured quote of around 50,000 a day was too conservative, especially if offered on a first-come, first-served basis. If, according to different sources, the initial quota will be around 30,000 to 50,000, I think that's a little bit too conservative. And the first-come, first-served model will bring about a lot of problems because a large number of citizens will rush to the website to compete for places, and this will definitely give scalpers an opportunities to take advantage of. Executive Councillor and Commercial Sector Lawmaker Jeffrey Lamb says he hopes business travellers will be given priority on Sunday. He said many were eager to travel across the border to handle business matters before and during the upcoming Lunar New Year holiday. However, a Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organisation, Zilai Shan, said part of the allocation should be reserved for people who want to go for family reasons. They should also reserve those people for family. They certainly need to visit their relatives or family members in mainland China and for the family categories. Important also because some of them, for example, they are all parents in mainland. They say they need to take care of them and look after them and all their spouse there waiting for family union for years. So there are many urgent matters they need to handle with their families. A Ukrainian military commander in the shattered eastern town of Bakhmut has described the fierceness of the fighting there. It's one of the key battles of recent months. He said he hadn't seen Russian forces fight anywhere else with similar determination. We haven't seen enemy troops like this before. Their soldiers openly advance under fire, even if they're littering the ground with their bodies, even if only 20 are left of their 60 men. It is very difficult to hold against such an invasion. A few weeks ago, we had to withdraw from the eastern approaches to the city to save our soldiers. In Washington, a senior White House official said fighting around Bakhmut was likely to persist for the foreseeable future with the outcome uncertain. France is to supply Ukraine with armoured fighting vehicles, the first time Western-designed fighting vehicles are to be sent there. The two countries' defence ministers will soon discuss how many AMX-10RC vehicles will be supplied. It's not clear when the consignment will arrive in Ukraine. The deal was announced after telephone talks between President Zelensky and Macron. Paris has already delivered rocket launchers, air defence missile systems, anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles, as well as armoured personnel carriers to Ukraine. The Vatican says 195,000 people paid homage to the Pope Emeritus Benedict during the three days he lay in state in St. Peter's Basilica. The late pontiff's body will now be sealed in a coffin, along with symbolic items. Pope Francis will preside over a funeral mass today. The Foreign Secretary at the Vatican, Archbishop Paul Gallagher, said indicated that Benedict's death could in time allow Pope Francis to consider his own retirement. If we had three popes, that would be a little bit difficult to manage, I would say. But now that Pope Benedict has has gone to the Lord, I think that Pope Francis will stick to those principles that he's established, that he will continue in this ministry as long as he believes and sees that he is capable... 
The U.S. Embassy in Cuba has reopened for the processing of visa applications. Cuban applicants queuing up outside the building in Havana said they'd waited a long time for this moment. Many added that they were looking forward to being reunited with their families. Washington closed the embassy's operations in 2017 because of a series of unexplained staff illnesses, which became known as Havana Syndrome. Relations between the U.S. and Cuba then deteriorated sharply during the presidency of Donald Trump, but have thawed over the past two years. And a Swedish court has found a former jihadist guilty of violating international law by posing with dead or severely injured bodies in Syria ten years ago. The court said Ubay Benoitson, a Swedish citizen, also made victory signs and derogatory statements with the aim of spreading the material as war propaganda online. 